0: Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast. I'm Chaz Hathaway. We're going to share the experience of Maria on uh, nderf.org, the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation website. If you want to go and find the text of that, that's where this is located. She says, It was in February of 1995, but I cannot remember which day it was. On the evening before the event, I kept seeing a line, like a hair, in the peripheral of my vision. I asked my colleagues, but no one saw anything. I noticed that I was writing horizontally and couldn't control the line. At the time, the internet didn't exist like it does today. Everything was written down in text, and I couldn't search it. I was dizzy with a headache, so I went to bed. In the morning, I was awakened by my daughter. It was around 10 o'clock. I woke up very dizzy with a strong headache. I made a little breakfast for my daughter, who would turn five the next month. Since the breakfast cereal box looked empty, I decided to toss it in the trash, but didn't have any energy, so I dropped it to the ground and stepped on it. When I stepped on the empty carton, I was sucked out to who knows where. All of a sudden... I saw myself curled up on the floor with my daughter at my side. I was near the top of the ceiling looking down, looking at myself below. I was frightened because I was aware something was wrong with me. I went back into my shrunken and very weakened self. My daughter was leaning against me. I couldn't count the number of times I took off and returned to the body. What I did remember was one of the times that I was in my body I felt myself reaching out my hand to my daughter. Her little arm was outstretched as I was slipping away. I didn't want to take her with me. I wanted to stay, with her, stay there with her. All of a sudden, I returned to the body, and when I got up again, I was sucked out again. But this time, I was far out of the house. I was over the city in which I lived. I saw it from above, like an eagle flying overhead. I was so shocked and scared that I screamed, but no one heard me. I saw everything, like the rooftops over the houses and the green gardens. I could have savored that moment, but then fear overwhelmed me. I asked whoever could hear me to get me out of there. I felt weak without knowing whether I'd ever get back in my body. I heard a voice that telepathically told me to be calm, that I would return and that everything would be fine. I was screaming in terror with what was happening to me. I got back to my body and dragged myself to the phone. I repeatedly punched the number for what would be my last call. My husband picked up and I begged him to help because I wasn't well and feared for our daughter. I left my body yet again and shot off with such speed that this time I was already very far from home. I was seeing this beautiful blue planet, but terrified. I thought, this is getting worse, and from here I'm going to disappear from time. I yelled for someone to get me out of here. As I kept rising, I saw that I was surrounded by darkness. As one sees the night, I watched my round little planet with pretty hues, I saw everything beyond it. I pleaded, Let me go home, please. I adamantly insisted, as if I were living in a horror scene, a horror movie that was live. I heard that voice again telling me, Be calm, all is well, be calm. I heard this in my head. I asked what they wanted from me. I wanted to know why I was out there or if I had died and could never get back to my body. I cannot find words to for the sheer panic I was in. Suddenly, I was back in my body, looking at my daughter with such overwhelming happiness. I thanked them for allowing me to live. I had let go of the torment and felt no fear at all. Help came, and knowing my daughter was safe, I went to the hospital. I was seen immediately, but I did not manage to move well because everything was tilted toward the left. My tongue relaxed and I wasn't able to speak clearly. I said that I hadn't been well ever since the day before and that I had been out of the body or out of body. I wrote a short note to my husband to get me to urgency care for 24 hours to either recover or leave. Now that my daughter was safe and I had help, I thought that this was my struggle alone. But it wasn't so. Upon arriving at the hospital, I was admitted and blacked out completely. I saw from above my listless body, which seemed to sleep in the dimly lit room. I saw a nurse taking notes from a device. I started to literally fly. I saw diapers and a tube that extended toward a bag beside the bed. I felt like I was fragile, vulnerable, and feeling and fearing, that what, fearing what they were going to do to me. The nurse would straighten the bedsheets very gingerly and give me a warm pat on the hand. I st- stared to calm down. I started to calm down because I was in the hands of someone very honest, someone I could trust. I started my flight around the hospital corridors, above and below, but I always felt someone entering my room entering the room to check in on me. I saw all the professional doctors and staff and of the hospital checking in on me. They raised me from the headboard from time to time, massaging the arms and legs. I saw the talking visitors, and from the ceiling I responded. Obviously no one heard me. In one of my travels throughout the hospital I found a man of a certain advanced age who was cursing and shouting nonstop he was confused from the way he was dressed in normal clothes I figured that he had just entered emergency care a moment ago since I understood his disorientation and saw that he was able to fly I told him to calm down that he was going to return to his body I told him to get into yourself and get out of and to get out of here I watched the man leave until I did not see him any longer. It seemed like I was becoming an expert in out-of-body travels. I saw doctors in a meeting in a room around the corner of the corridor. There were five doctors, two women and three men, debating what to do with me. They said they could not find anything that could have caused such a state and all the test results were good. They decided to do a lumbar puncture to get more information. I returned to the room in full flight and saw myself surrounded in brilliant glowing light which didn't sting my eyes. I heard music or what would be a strange sound because I didn't recognize a single note. It was pleasant not to be in a state of panic from being in an unknown state. I asked again what they wanted from me. If I had indeed died, I thought I was gone for good this time. I insisted to be told. There appeared to be a voice that told me to be calm and that everything would turn out well. I went back to flying around the hospital and rested. Soon I was again in such brilliant golden light that I was aware I was not alone. Yet I saw no one. I saw a quiver in the light's intensity. That voice returned to talk to me. I did not remember what was said because I woke up in my body. You can't even imagine the gladness I felt. I felt myself get up as if I was born anew with everything refreshed. But the worst was yet to come. It seemed like the doctors were rushing about. I got fearful again because everyone seemed to be deformed, hideous, and grotesquely disfigured. Everyone seemed distorted with their faces caved inward. I guess I've seen this in horror movies or something similar. In the meantime, the nurse seemed normal, and there was an assistant who also seemed normal. She was surrounded by doctors that seemed like beasts. I screamed because they were monstrosities, but no one heard me. I couldn't speak. They asked my name. They asked me to wink at them, and I did. This was a joy for them. Many more tests were done. I had rapid recovery recovery afterward, and had to learn everything anew, walking, eating, talking, etc., but I rebounded. Sitting there, I had an issue with my neck, and it ached a lot. I must have been lying down for a very long time. The physical forms of the people slowly returned to normal. I never henceforth believed that we are are what we seem. We have a mask layer to hide what we truly are, Thankfully, I did not see myself nor my little girl. This was my experience, which could have been amazing, but perhaps without any foresight or expanded belief system on my part, it was a sheer nightmare. As a good-natured individual, I made friends there and even got to see the meeting room. I went back home to my daughter and read her some children's tales. Finally, I was with my girl in the comfort of my own home. I followed up with the hospital hospital, for the next few years. I I was diagnosed with a cerebral vascular incident or stroke. I was prohibited from taking any aspirin or its derivatives, which I never took anyway. Notwithstanding, even after leaving the hospital, I left my body but returned rapidly. I never stabilized well. I always had headaches, dizziness, and in the meantime, wanted to escape, but now I control it. Only a year after getting stronger after the experience, I started my life from scratch, only with my daughter. My marriage, my friendships, my home, I started everything from ground zero. I never looked back. Rather, I was grateful to the universe for changing me so much into the person I am today. I am more dedicated to the arts since working is only one way to survival. Color is the basis of my life. It's been 20 years of practice and I needed to learn to control myself. I still get physicals every year. This experience changed my entire life. I'm still looking to find an answer for what I lived through afterward. My vision in relation to belief system doesn't really fit because I'm very rational. As far as gifts that were new, I don't call them gifts because they harass my sense of peace. My dreams have become very technological and out of the ordinary. I also have dreams that everyone else has. I hope to be helpful in dispelling any concerns people have. And I'll stop there. So, this is very interesting. Um, Maria her experience seems to i don't know when i when i first started hearing her symptoms i'm thinking this is a neurological thing go to a neurologist but of course she wouldn't have known that at the time and wouldn't have had you know i mean i would have called a doctor too i you know it just the symptoms sound neurological to me i'm no doctor or anything but but i love sciencey podcasts and things and That sounds very neurological to me. It does sound like it was some kind of stroke, which is a neurological thing. So, Anyway, um, which may account for a couple of things, but um, which we'll get back to. The thing that I found interesting in this experience, which seems very unique, is how terrified she was throughout. Most people, it seems like they're standing over their body and they're very curiously looking at it, even if they have no belief system or like, this is very odd, I'm still aware, why am I still aware? They're not usually terrified, though they may be, you know, anxious or or a little bit, you know, very curious, things like that. Most of the time they feel quite calm. She didn't seem to have much of the calmness. There were moments of it, and one of the moments being when she's back in her body, which is kind of backwards to how it usually seems to go, She's, you know, terrified and screaming and saying, what's going on? And in this panic mode. And then all of a sudden she's back in her body and she's like, oh, and just feels this warmth and and so forth as she's reaching for her daughter and can't seem to uh, to have the strength to fully stand up or any other thing like that. But gratefully, she's able to call for help. So, they, so they're able to get her body into the hospital. And then she finds herself rushing around the hospital and how interesting it is that she, she's becoming accustomed though still fearful and like you know uh, when she encounters the man who has left his body in the hospital she's you know he's swearing at people like because they're not listening to him they're not hearing him and so forth she goes and talks to him and say you know go back in your body get yourself out of here kind of thing like like this is terrible what's going on <laughs> And it's not clear whether he does successfully return to his body. But it's interesting that she goes to him. I mean, if he has a near-death experience, I'd be interested in hearing his side of the story. The spirit comes up and says, get yourself out of here, you know. (laughs) what? yeah, you know. Uh, She's panicking and she's a spirit panicking which is unique. That doesn't seem to happen very often. And yet she has a very strong connection with her body because she says, I could still tell when people weren't entering the room to check on my body. So it was almost like she's out of her body, but still whatever cord or whatever, I don't know, there's something still holding her to her body. um, So that she is still feeling the sensations that her body feels. And, and if this is a stroke, my understanding is there's not a pain surround, there's not pain surrounding a stroke. There's just, you know, lack of of ability to communicate, lack of ability to move properly and so forth. So, But the next part that seems really weird um, in a lot of ways is when she gets back in her body, or she thinks she does, but she says she's speaking and, and nobody's replying to her. And this is something where it's it's kind of like hard to tell whether we're talking about um, she's having a stroke and therefore can't communicate and she's trying to speak and maybe it's just sounding like slurs to the people <laughs> or or maybe she's, you know, in her body, but in the spirit form, you know, just, you know, sitting up or something uh, and she is trying to communicate and they're just not hearing her at all because she's still in the spirit form. That's not clear. But what is weird about this is that she's seeing them with these... Everyone seemed deformed, hideous, and grotesquely disfigured. Everyone seemed distorted with their faces caving inward. Now, is this... Is she in her body and her neurological problem that she's having causing her to see them as just horribly maimed? Or, you know, she says they were monstrosities. And, you know, there's two things, well, there's really three things that come to mind. One is that the neurological problem is causing her to see things in this way. Number two, she is in the spirit form, and there are some kind of evil, you know, uh, beings either possessing them or, or in the room, and she's thinking they're doctors or something. I think that's the least likely uh, explanation. But actually, I think the more likely explanation next to the neurological explanation is one that is hard to explain if you haven't heard a lot of near-death, near-death experiences. But um, there are some where a person is in the spirit form, and maybe they're talking to other spirits, something, and they find that they can view other people, other spirits, and so forth, in other forms. So, for example, um, Natalie Sudman, I just had to look it up, so I can remember her name, when she's in this spirit world, she's in this amphitheater, and, and kind of um, emanating out uh, some kind of, of knowledge, wisdom from her life, kind of educating um, or providing information, something um, to these wonderful, loving, ex- accepting um, angels, uh, spirits, uh, light beings, whatever she called them. And, uh, and she said she could, if she wanted to, see them, as something else see them as little monsters or it was like she was playing a little bit she was just having a little fun and she could view them as funny little monsters or funny little you know creatures or or things like that and I I don't know what to make of that except to suspect that if if there is something about the spirit that allows a person to do that it's Something to the idea that a spirit can view other people how they want to view them. Now, there's obviously going to be some limitation to that, because, you know, people have their own agency of how they want to be seen, and yet it could be a little bit of a two-way street. This is all speculation. I don't don't know. But I have seen a number of near-death experiences where um, people are able to change the appearance of someone just by either imagining them a certain way or trying to see them a certain way, and then they do. Now, if that's the case, if there's something about the way a person is able to view somebody in the spirit form, that would explain several things. One, it explains um, why people see either God or Jesus in slightly different forms. You know, some will say he had black hair. Some will say he had white hair. Some will say he had, you know, curly um, uh, brown hair, you know. and, And I mean, you hear these different explanations. You're like, well, which is it? Which is it? And it's possible that they are seeing him, either God or Jesus, based on what they imagine he should look like. I don't know. I don't know if that's the case or not. It would explain some things, though. And it would also explain, uh, it would also make sense here because this this lady's panicking. She's like freaked out the whole time. And she says the whole thing was like a nightmare. And yet she had moments of of blissful joy. And then it would just, you know, be overtaken by her natural panic form. And uh, if she is in this scared, frightened state, she may be And she even says, you know, there was the one nurse that she felt like she trusted everybody else. She was kind of not fully trusting of and so forth. And it's like her spirit, maybe her spirit was placing on them a figure or um, an, an image that matched her fear. It's like her fear was shaping her vision in a way, which is weird. And yet, also has a little bit of spiritual sense behind it. So but it makes me wonder also if that could be reversed, if somebody seeing, say an apparition or spirit or something, would be able to reform their mind so that they could see them in their real form. If they're you know, I don't know, that's that's going a little far, I don't know. But um there might be something to expectation and how we see things. There seems to be some of that in terms of where we go and what kinds of experiences we have. While well, one spirit may be experiencing a kind of an evening other to another person, it's midday sun um, kind of thing in the spirit world. And that may be some of the explanation. I don't know. But it's interesting because of that. And, uh, it's interesting also that she, of course, she, it, it's sad that she had to relearn to walk, eat, and talk. And, but she says that her whole life changed. Everything changed. Her, her outlook, her, uh, her marriage, her relationships with friends and so forth. The only relationship that stayed strong was that that she had with her daughter and uh and that was the only one that stayed consistent throughout that seems to be a thing with uh marriages it's it's very common for somebody after a near death experience to end up getting a divorce or or something like that and i think from what people describe you know when you ask them why they say well i was a completely different person i changed so dramatically in in my focus and in my interests and so forth, that it was too much. And often, you know, marriages of themselves can be kind of tough. And if a near-death experience happens at a time when a marriage is already partially strained, maybe even heavily strained, you know, and and everybody the the two couple have found kind of a groove that they kind of work within. It's like, hey, yeah, we're not always getting along, we, but we, you know, I stay in my lane and he stays in his lane, kind of thing. The moment you jump lanes to the other side of the road or whatever, suddenly, that can sometimes be too much for a person. And honestly, personally, I would just give this as an as a word of encouragement to those who have read this or are listening to this and have not had a near-death experience, I think this is a good reason to study near-death experiences, at least enough to be familiar with what can happen, what kinds of changes can take place. Because what I've noticed is that those who study near-death experiences have many of those changes much slower. And they have those, those changes of focus that near death experiencers have, but it happens much more gradually and much on a much more manageable level. It's like, instead of this happening overnight, like it would with, and then with all the medical, um, and health problems and the medical bills and, and all the other stresses, this is happening, you know, on a day-to-day basis, a little, you know, huh, never really thought of things that way and starting to see the world a little bit differently day after day so that over the course of a year or two years those changes have taken place in the individual and then if a near-death experience comes it's not a surprise there's no shock to the to the uh, relationship because most of those changes have already taken place and now it's just a matter of adapting to the medical and the health and so forth and perhaps a few additional gifts, if you will. And, you know, like this lady says, she doesn't consider them gifts. She says, like, they harass my sense of peace, <laughs> which means that she hasn't fully integrated with those changes. And certainly you can't fault somebody for that. That's just, that's just, a, you know, that's tough. Anyway, Interesting. Very interesting. So if you would like to contact the podcast to ask a question or to share your own experience or just make a comment, you can do so by emailing near experience podcast at gmail.com or you can comment on the podcast, any of the entries like you would a blog. Also, you can call 970 Cast, and uh, that will give you a three minute phone call which, if that's not long enough, call again and and just continue where you left off and keep doing so until you get your full message. And uh, Let me know if you have any troubles with any of that because I would like to find a better system. Another thing you can do if you're worried about the 3-minute thing and and it it being uh, distracting and so forth is you can make an audio recording on your phone. It's much easier than it sounds if you've never done it before. Just get an app like uh, Easy Voice Recorder And then just send me the file, either by email or by uploading it to something like archive.org, which allows you to just upload pretty much anything, and then you just send a link. You could also do it with like SoundCloud or something like that. But with that, thank you all of you so much for listening.